Parshish Chayesar. When we talk about the Churban Beis Hamikdash, we're accustomed to thinking about the Beis Hamikdash of Shlomo Amelech and the second Beit Hamikdash that was built by the returnees from Bavel. Those more familiar with our history might also look back in longing to the Mishkan Hashem that the Am Yisrael had with them in the Midbar for 40 years, as well as its replacement, the Mishkan Shiloh, that stood for 369 years before its destruction by the Plishtim. But the truth is that there was another Churban Beis HaMikdash that took pl- place way back in the beginning of our history. Vitamat Sarah, and Sarah passed away. Chaya Sarah. The day that Sarah took her last breath in her tent was actually the first Churban Bayis. The greatest home in our history was no more. Now to many people that seems like an exaggeration. We think that the most important part of our history came later, when we became Shishim Ribo and left Mitzrayim to accept the Torah on Har Sinai. That's when we became a nation. That's when our history began. But that's all wrong. That was already the tail end of the glorious period of our history. We must look back at the lives of our Avas as the fundamental part of our history. When the Avas passed away, a most important part of our history came to an end. The Ramban says that. He says that when the Avas passed away, the Shekhinah that was present in their tents went into Gullus. So we understand that the first base of Mikdash was the tent that Sarah built. Afterwards, when Yitzchak wed Rivka, he tried to restore some of that glory. And Yitzchak brought her into the tent of his mother, Sarah. It says that for a reason. He brought her into the tent of Sarah because he wanted to try and recapture some of that old greatness of his mother, Sarah, who had just passed away. And Rivka tried her best, absolutely, but it wasn't the same. I should explain something about Sarah. Sarah was 10 years younger than Avraham. Now exact, exactly when they married, I cannot tell you, but I imagine that Avraham probably married very early. Let's say he was 18. It's just a guess. So Sarah was a little girl of eight. That's how they married in those days. Now Avram had been a very precocious child. He studied the world around him and already at the age of three, he had surmised, he had surmised that there was a designer and he never stopped surmising. By day and by night, he continued to clarify everything around him. And by the time he was 18 years old, he must have been very, much, very much advanced in his studies. Avram Avinu didn't have to go to school. The whole Brio was a school for him. And he saw better than any professors will ever see. And so we can imagine that he took his young wife out in the fields, pointing out to her the wonders of Hashem and nature. Look, Sarala, he said. Look at the thorns on this rose bush and watch these bees leaving their hive. Take a look out there over the horizon at the clouds forming over the water. He explained to her the deep chokhmah in the various processes and phenomena of nature. And Sarah listened. She never tired of listening. She was an apt pupil and she soaked it all in. Over time, Sarah became a brilliant personality of her own. Sarah looked looked at the fluff seeds of the dandelion plant 
Sarah looked at the fluff seeds of the dandelion plant that are carried by the wind to be planted elsewhere. The fluff is not an accident. It's a light material, especially made to float in the wind. She studied the seeds of the synchromore, of the sycamore tree. She picked one up and saw how the balls were composed of hundreds of little seeds. And each seed had wings attached to the end so that it should blow in the wind and be scattered everywhere and plant some more trees. Now, isn't that a remarkable accident that a seed should have wings in it should have wings in it? Sarah didn't see a seed with wings. She saw HaKadosh Baruch Hu. When Sarah saw a cow in the field, she, saw, she thought to herself, the cow is a wonderful machine. It eats inexpensive grass and turns it into valuable milk and meat and leather. And what does it do with the leftovers, the waste? It drops fertilizer in the fields for food to grow. Look at the cow standing there, fertilizing the field. But from the fertilizer, flies develop. All the fields are full of flies, and flies bite cows. So the cow has a long tail, and at the end of the tail, there's a little mop, and it swishes the mop from side to side all day long, driving the flies off. That's how Sarah was thinking all day long. She wasn't looking at cows. She was seeing the wonders of Hashem's creation. Did you ever see a cow? I once sat and watched a cow for a long time. You should watch that one time. It's wonderful evidence of a designer. All day long it was swishing, hitting its sides with its tail. Otherwise, the flies would draw blood from the cow. And so the cow keeps pretending it's protecting, itself, protecting itself with a fly swatter provided by our Kadosh Baruch Hu. It's remarkable to see. For years and years, Sarah spent her days and nights seeing these remarkable things and thinking about Hashem. Sarah was 90 years old before she had her child, and so she had many years to accomplish tremendous achievements. And of course, she took all that awareness of Hashem that she gained, and she built her house on that ideal. She built a home that nobody could match. As much as Rivka was a wonderful personality, Atzadekes, a pure soul, we can speak for a long time about the greatness of Rivka. But it was nowhere near Sarah. When Rivka came into the tent of Sarah, it was only a substitute. It was like a bias Shani after the bias Rishon. And later, Rachel and Leah also walked in the ways of Sarah. And to a great extent, they continued the building of the Am Yisrael. But it wasn't the same, no. They tried and the spirit of idealism still continued. But on the day of the Tamat Sarah, the first Beis Amikdash went out of existence. It's difficult for us to realize what a loss it was to the world. The idealism that was in that tent, there was nothing like it. The Kedusha that reigned in that atmosphere was never again repeated. Not in the Mishkan and not in the building of Shlomo. Never again. Now once we know that, we can better understand, understand the Tzivoy that Yeshaya Hanavi commands us. It's in Yeshaya 51 at the beginning. Shimu Eli Rodfei Tzedek, Mivakshay Hashem. Listen to me, you who pursue righteousness, those who seek Hashem. Yeshaya Hanavi is going to tell us now, Al Pi Hashem, how to achieve this goal of righteousness. So he tells us, what should you do? Habitu El Tzur Chutzavtem. Look to the rock from which you were hewn out 
and to the cistern that w- that, that's a pit from which you came forth. Now, what is the rock from which we were hewn out? And what is the cistern, the well from which we came forth? Habitu el Avraham avichem. Look to Avraham, your father. Ve'el Sarah t'cholalechem. And to Sarah who gave birth to you. That's the way to succeed in attaining tzedek. If you really seek Hashem, look at them. At the home that they built together. Habitu means keep looking. Study them over and over. Be mimetic in whatever the Torah tells you about them. Or whatever the Chachamim add. Or whatever the Chachamim add Pirushim about them. Put your mind into them. That's the way for Rod Tzedek and Mivakshe Hashem to succeed. Not only Avraham and to Sarah who gave birth to you, the Navi says. Sarah Imenu. It wasn't only that she was the wife of Avraham. It was Sarah herself on her own merit, whom Hashem wanted as our first mother. That's why when HaKadosh Baruch Hu made a promise that the eternal people would come out of Avraham, he stipulated that from no other woman would Avraham beget the seed of promise except through Sarah. And so when we are commanded to look back, we are charged especially with modeling ourselves after Sarah Tcholalechem. Now, if we are going to be successful in life, we must know beforehand that we expect the results, to, what, what we expect the results to look like. When you plan on building something, you must know in advance, what is your picture of the finished house? It makes a big difference if it's going to be a storefront or a cottage or a school. We need a model to follow and therefore we must seek a prototype according to which we will lay our plans. And so the Navi Yeshaya tells us that the very best home in Jewish history should be our model. And that is the home of Avraham and Sarah. Now as much as I am going to tell you, you must know that it is not going to approximate what the greatness of that house was. I'm like an ant looking up at a tremendous mountain trying to describe what's high up on the summit. I'm not capable of fully understanding the greatness of Sarah's tent. It's like a blind man speaking of the glory of the sunlight. We never saw it, and we have no idea about the splendor that prevailed in that house. But we can try to understand at least a little bit of the idealism that held sway in that noble home. And that was effective in creating the final result of a Beis HaMikdash upon which the Shekhinah rested. Now I should explain something here before we go further. As much as we'll say that the Am Yisrael was built by Avraham, and absolutely it was, we understand that it was Sarah who was primarily in the tent. Avraham spent much of his life outside the tent, and therefore the chief builder of that home, that base Hamigdash, was Sarah. Of course, Avraham was a builder too. Al tikra banayich elabonayich. The sages of Torah are building, are builders of the world. Absolutely. Abraham made a revolution in the world. He went out and made the world aware of Hashem. But as far as the tent, it was Sarah who was in the tent. Ha'ohela el Sarah. That's where she was. It was Sarah who raised Yitzchak without Sarah's guidance. Yitzchak wouldn't have achieved everything he did. Of course, Avram was his father, and there was no better father than Avram. But Sarah had an equal share. 
even more of a share in raising Yitzchak during his formative years growing up in the tent. Sarah, be- Sarah built the base Yisrael. The mother of the Am Yisrael achieved the everlasting title of Sarah Imenu because of how she built her home. Of course, even the wife of an Irishman or a Negro builds a home and many of them do a fine job of it too. But we're talking about now something altogether different. Sarah did it on a tremendous scale of spiritual greatness. She built a sanctuary, a place of serving HaKadosh Baruch Hu. The central theme, the pivot, on which everything revolved, would, what revolved was the creator of the world. All their thoughts and all of their deeds were devoted to the ideal that Hashem is in our house. That's what made it a Beis HaMikdash. The Kedusha, the awareness of Hashem, was so dense that it was constantly impinged on their awareness in everything they did. Now don't think that a Jewish home is lacking cheer and fun. Avram and Sarah lived very happy lives. They had more fun in their home than we have, much more. But their ideal was to build the base Hamigdash, and that requires constant awareness of Hashem. When they ate, they were eating like people who were eating offerings from the Mizbeach. When they slaughtered an animal and prepared food to feed themselves and their guests, it was no less than when the Kohanim slaughtered and prepared an offering in the Beis Hamigdash. You have to know that whatever Sarah did in Gashmias was Ruchnias. Everything she did in her home was saturated with Hashem. When Sarah was baking, she wasn't just baking. She was making Menachos. She was serving Hashem. The Gemara says that the pot of Yom Kippur was just an echo of the pot that Avram slaughtered for every visitor. And you can be sure that the chalas that Sarah made were a prototype for all the chalas that were served in the Beis Hamikdash. The lach toda and the lechem upon him and shteya lechem. Everything Sarah did in the home was like a Kohen serving a Kalush Baruch Hu in the base Hamigdash. About, the, about Sarah, the Pasuk in Mishle describes the Ashes Chayel is quoted. Sophia Halichot Beta. She oversees, she oversees, she supervises what's going on in her house. Sophia means that she was a Mashkiach, looking constantly if everybody is behaving properly in her house. Because Sarah understood that she was building a mikdash. Something holy and eternal. So she kept a sharp eye out for anything that would impinge on the kedusha of the home. Now to say that she wouldn't bear the sight of the lady's home, journal, or television in her tent. That we don't have to mention. A home that has in it Gentile magazines and television is not a base mikdash. It's not even a decent Gentile home. You cannot be decent if you have a television around. You just can't. But Sarah Imenu set her sights on much more than a decent home. She was on the lookout for even the slightest thing that didn't belong in a Beis HaMikdash. And so when Tera Sarah, when Sarah saw at Ben Hagar, Mitzachek, that Yishmael was laughing, she didn't let it pass so easily. She saw him joking around. Now the Mephoshim say all kinds of things about Mitzachek. That it was Avayda Zora, Giloi Arayos, and Shifchus Domim. But we'll follow Pshuto Shel Mikra, and we'll understand that this is what the Chachami meant. 
in the house of sorrow, if somebody is jesting, making litzonus, saying foolish things, that's like avoid zara and giloy arayos and shivichos domim. When Yishma laughed in that house, Sara was scandalized. She was stunned by what she saw. Now, I'm sure Sara smiled in that house all the time. She was a woman of good cheer, always smiling and friendly. But a joker, a jester, such a person who knows what can happen to him. To laugh out loud in the house of sorrow was like a Kohen Gadol who entered the Kodesh HaKadosh on Yom Kippur and someone peeked in and saw the Kohen Gadol give off a big laugh, a guffaw. On Yom Kippur, such a holy day, it would be a scandal of scandals. And therefore sorrow reacted and said, Gadesh, he has to be sent away. He doesn't belong in this base Hamikdash anymore. They had spent so many years building up Yiras Hashem in that house and so... When she saw that, she told Avraham, he can't be here. And the Kaddish Baruch Hu approved of her words. Kol asher tomer elecha sara, shema bikola. He agreed with her. I understand it sounds uncomfortable to American ears, but Sara was an idealist. That's the house she wanted. In her house, everybody had Hadras Kodesh. And that's how it became a Mikdash. It was due to Sara. You have to know. There was a cloud, a cloud of the Shekhinah that remained over her tent as long as she was alive. It was there because of Sarah. She's the one who built that Beis HaMikdash Mamish, more than a Beis HaMikdash. And make no mistake, Sarah built it with her own hands. She did everything in the home. Sarah was a very wealthy woman with many servants. Abraham had 318 trained men who went to fight when it was necessary. And he had others as well who were not trained in warfare. And this was still in the good old days. In those days, people married and had children. And so there were at least a thousand servants in Abraham's camp. Right away with common calculations, we understand that Sarah had many helpers in her home. And so when Abraham planted orchards and dug wells and invited people to stop in to eat and to drink, and do, and do you think, and who do you think prepared food for them? Who was the one who baked for them? It wasn't Sarah's servants. Sarah herself did the work. Like it say, like it states, Lushi ve'asi ugot. And they always were having guests. Not only these three malachim. Avram was always busy with Hachnas' Orchim. He always sought visitors, and Sarah was the one who always baked for them, because she was doing much more than baking bread. She was baking menachos. It's like the woman who has plenty of kosher bakeries to buy challah, but she wants to bake for Shabbos herself. She bakes her Shabbos challahs herself, and she fulfills the mitzvah of Hafrosh's challah. It's a mitzvah. Like you burn kochim psulim. So she burns the piece of challah herself and she has the mitzvah of seeing her challah on the table on Shabbos. The Jewish, mother's, no, Jewish, the Jewish mother today is still walking in the footsteps of her model Sarah, the idealist who with her own hands baked for her guests. It's important to know that among the great qualities of Sarah was that she was a balabosta. She ran a household. She wasn't just sitting there and saying to Hillam or learning Chavis Lavavis. She was doing hard work, physical work. An idealistic woman shouldn't think that her idealism is expressed only by looking in Sepharim. Don't think her life 
is wasted if she's a balabasta managing the house. If she has spare time, why not? Let her look in Sepharim too. But she must be aware that it's her work in the home that is the best expression of her idealism. When she is sweeping the floor, when she's washing the clothes, she is serving a Kalish Baruch Every chore that people do in that house, if it's a from house and they do it, and they do it L'Shem Shamaim, that's the ingredient, L'Shem Shamaim, that they're building something that'll last forever. When a mother is putting clothing into the washer, she's thinking, I want to maintain a from Jewish house because HaKadosh Baruch Hu gave me this function. I don't have to work in an office. I won't run for elections to be a city councilwoman. It's a waste of my life. Right here is the place where I achieve. And children, the more children that I can have, the bigger the achievement. A woman like that is building a base Amigdash. She is emulating the Avoid the Avoidas Hashem that made Sora into Sora Imenu. So to sum it up, I would say the following only that immediately it would minimize everything. It would spoil everything. But I have to say it. Whatever Avraham and Sarah did was with Kavana L'Shem Shamayim. Today already that might not mean much because that phrase is overused. It's, ba- it's bandied. It's bandied about and cheapened. But it's the truth. It was with the awareness of Shamayim that they did everything. And therefore nothing was done unless it was motiva- motivated by this awareness. Now, as I said before, I must repeat the exhortation, the exhortation that you shouldn't consider this exaggerated. Don't think it's being overdone. Actually, whatever you hear now is only part of the truth because I never saw such a home and therefore I'm not able to do justice to it. Everything they did was saturated with Hashem. All their days, whatever move they made, it was built on the thought that HaKadosh Baruch Hu is right here. The Shekhinah is resting on our home and we're doing our best to live up to such a glorious environment. And therefore, when people today in their own homes plan to emulate the way of Sarah and Avraham lived, one of the very first foundations of the home must be L'Shem Shamayim, awareness of HaKadosh Baruch Hu. Now that doesn't mean that everything must be done that way or else you don't do it. We are only human after all and we try our best and therefore we always try to add an additional intent to what we do in our homes. Let's say you're sitting down to eat. Now you're not going to be a hypocrite. You're eating because you're hungry. The food is delicious and your appetite is good. So you're not going to say that you're eating like Avraham and Sarah ate. That you're eating only L'Shem Shamayim. You're going to eat in a natural manner. But at the same time, however, you aspire to the intention of L'Shem Shamayim. You might even say something to that effect. You could say, I'm eating like the Shulchan Aruch commands us. The Shulchan Aruch in Orechaim commands that when you eat, you, that when you eat, you should do it for the purpose of serving HaKadosh Baruch Hu. It's written in the Mechaber there, in the Shulchan Aruch, and nobody there argues. Of course, it comes from the Mishnah. So in order to fulfill the Shulchan Aruch, when you sit down to eat, you should allow this thought to enter your mind and gradually, as you continue to practice it, it begins to take part in all of your actions. It has a share in your thoughts. And after a while, you'll find that part of your intention 
is L'Shem Shamayim. You start speaking about L'Shem Shamayim and it's only external. But after a while, it becomes a true intention. Which, mo- which participates in your, in your motivations. That's number one. The foundation of a home is the awareness of HaKadosh Baruch Hu. We are marrying. We are moving into a home. And whatever we are doing, even Gashmias, Shibigashmias, even the joy, the physical fun in the home is intended to enhance the status of that home as a place of service of Hashem. And as the years pass by, the ideal grows upon you and it becomes a stronger and stronger part of your personality and your thoughts until finally, before you realize it, it occupies a very big part in all your motivations. Someone who does that is emulating Sara Imenu because it was with that motivation that Sara built her home and that's why she was worth her weight in diamonds. Like it says in Mishlei, Where can you find a woman like this, a woman of valor, so industrious and energetic? Her price is far beyond the price of diamonds. Who can find such a thing? A woman, an idealist, who is happy to serve HaKadosh Baruch Hu in the home? A woman like that becomes holier and holier every day. Every passing day, she becomes more valuable. The Gemara says, Saba Bebeita, an old man in the house, Pacha Bebeita. He's a nuisance in the house. An old man can't work. All he does is complain about his aches and pains. Sometimes he comes into the kitchen where his wife is baking and cooking and he opens the cabinets in the refrigerator and he gets in the way. An old man, a retiree, belongs in the koilo all day long. In the home, he's a constant nuisance. In the yeshiva, he's a treasure. But sabab beta, in the house, he's a calamity. But, but Savta Bebeta, an old woman in the house, Sima Bebeta, she's a treasure in the house. The older she gets, she becomes more and more devoted, a bigger servant of Hashem. An old woman is more and more competent, a better balabasta. She gives advice to her children and grandchildren, how to take care of the children. There's a cold, a fever, she knows what to do. Not only that, other things too. Sara Imenu was a treasure in many different ways. The awareness of the presence of the Shekhinah in her tent was the overriding consideration in all of her actions until that sad day when Tamatsara of Tamatsara, when Sara when Imenu passed away and her Beis Hamikdash went out of existence. Now I have to explain something. Alpi Diktuk. The word mut, to die, is connected in Lushan Kodesh with the word mush. To move away, to depart, like in Lo Yamushu Mipicha and Lo Yamish Mitocha Ohel. The words Mut and Mush are almost identical because in Lushan Kodesh, when you say Mut, a person doesn't end his existence. He's just moving out of here to someplace else. He's Mash. That's not Drush, by the way. It's not said by me. It's said by all the writers, all the Baalei Diktuk. Mut and mush mean both to move away. So v'tamat sara means v'tamesh sara. Sara moved out and she took with her her tent. The tent didn't die, it's forever and ever. And so when you look at the Asia's Chayil, the virtuous woman, the woman of valor, it says, Oz v'hada levusha. 
She is clothed in strength and beauty. It means she may not spend much money on herself, on jewelry and clothing, but she is clothed in such strength and beauty that will last forever. Oz means that these are garments that will last forever. And Hadar means that they are the most beautiful garments. The garments of good character. Midas Toivus, Yiras Shamayim, loyalty, idealism. These are the garments with which Sarah clothed herself. And Vetishak Liyom She laughs at the last day, which means she looks forward with confidence to the last day because death means something. Maves is not death. It's just, a, it's just a threshold. And so when Vitamatsara, what that means is that she stepped over the threshold into the next world. And there she found her eternal tent waiting for her with all the glory that she put into it. But not only does Sora's tent exist forever with her in Oilam Abba, but it, it exists forever as a model for us. And so even though Sora's passing is considered the first Khurban that our people experienced, Yet throughout our history, the Am Yisrael had made it their goal to look back at the glorious tent of Sarah and to emulate what this great mother accomplished in her home. The foundation this noble woman laid down as the model home for us. Every child who descends from the Avas, everyone who wants to emulate the Avas, should study this picture of our great ancestors and understand that that's their function too. On a lesser scale, everybody can build a permanent dwelling for himself or herself, a dwelling that will be forever and ever, if he understands that his function to put all that he has into his house, to learn Torah in his house, to do mitzvahs in his house, to have children and bring them up in the house with idealism, Shabbos and Yom Tov, and every day good character, kindly words, and most important, awareness of HaKadosh Baruch Hu as much as possible, in everything that you do. And even if we don't succeed in reaching the summits of these great people, but there's no question that there is so much greatness to aspire to. It's beyond our sight. It's towers beyond our range of vision, how great we could become. But every person who begins the career of building a home has the right, the obligation to build that home on the same foundation that Avram and Sarah laid down for their home. And that's the foundation of the greatest possible loyalty to HaKadosh Baruch Hu, and the greatest possible dedication to the ideal of making the very best home that they could make. And now, a vort on the Parsha from Rabbi Miller. Vayosef Avraham, Vayikach Isha, Ushma Ketura, Vateled Lo Et Zimron, Veet Yikshan, Ve'et Midan, ve'et Midian, ve'et Yishbak, ve'et Shuach. And Avram again, again took a wife and she bore him Zimran, and Yakshan, and Midan, and Midian, and Yishbak, and Shuchan. And Avram, and Avram again took a wife. The Torah is telling us here that Avraham married again at the age of 137 after passing, after the passing of Sarah Imenu. The Torah here is revealing to us information which no human writer would ever provide, would, would have ever provided to his readers. Avram Avinu, the father of the chosen people, could have been portrayed as the father of the Amisrol alone. Why would anyone writing the history of the Amisrol bother 
with the seemingly unimportant and maybe even degrading fact that Avram also fathered other children, children who became nations that were subsequently scorned by the Am Yisroel. As we read this Pasuk, we are reminded that these words are one of many such testimonials to the utter truthfulness of the Torah and also of the Torah people that never altered the Torah that was given to Moshe Rabbeinu at Har Sinai. And Abraham again took a wife and she bore to him. Here we learn a fundamental principle. By now Yitzchak was already married. So Abraham's hopes were fully realized. Hashem had promised him, for in Yitzchak, that means only through Yitzchak shall be called your seed. And so our Pasuk seems surprising. The Am Yisrael was already born. Yitzchak was building the future of the Am Yisrael. So it seems to us surprising that any additional children would be desired by Avram Avinu. But here we see that no matter how much a person has achieved in his lifetime, there is always opportunity for more greatness, more perfection, as long as one is still alive. Life, every small portion of it, is an opportunity that shouldn't be wasted. And even when one is not able to accomplish the great things he accomplished in his younger years, it doesn't detract in the least from the opportunities he has right now, even at the ripe old age of 137. And she bore to him Zimran and Yakshan and Medan and Midian and Yishbak and Shuach. These six children are henceforth entirely ignored by the Torah. It is certain that Abraham's six sons from Keturah were great and righteous men, exemplary personalities, and that before being sent away, they were trained by their superlatively great father in all good traits of character and in understanding of Hashem's ways. We can be certain that they lived great lives of virtue and passed on eventually to their reward in Olam Haba. If we would encounter any of any one of Abraham's sons, we would be extremely excited to see the offspring of this giant of giants whom Hashem loved so greatly. And yet they are complete but and yet they are completely forgotten by us. We see here a most noteworthy principle. Not only does Hashem choose the best, but because of the best, the others receded into the background and are and are entirely ignored. The Am Yisrael was chosen, and from now on, these families of Keturah no longer deserved any mention in the Torah. And Avraham sent his sons away from Yitzchak, his son. The heartaches of these noble sons of Avraham were sent away by Avraham Avinu. Alas! Alas! That eventually their posterity was commingling with the nations and were lost. We may surmise that the loss of Ishmael and now these six sons was a deep sorrow for Avraham. Hashem required Avraham to pay a tremendous price when he sent away these six sons for the sake of Yitzchak. And yet no price is too great to pay for the emergence of a superbly righteous personality such as Yitzchak and for the emergence of the righteous people who would come from Yitzchak Avinu. Have a wonderful Shabbos.